Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Iowa's News Now Sports brings you black and gold glory. Your all-access pass to all things Hawkeyes. This is Eye on the Hawks. I know this. It's a border game. When I got here in 81, it was a big game uh, back then. And uh, it's always been that way. It's been a pretty good uh, series over overall in time, you know, history. At least my, my 34 years involved in it. So uh, that part's good. It's, it's a big game. We both have one loss right now. They've got a really good team. We're trying to become a good team. Kirk Ferentz does say he is good to go Saturday, despite the hoarseness in his voice, as he said it is October. Welcome to Eye on the Hawks as we get ready to preview the battle for the Heartland Trophy between Iowa and Wisconsin coming up Saturday, 3 p.m. on Fox. Mitch Fick here with Owen Sebring and Mike Howell. I finally put a note in our rundown to plug social and YouTube channels off the top. It took until game seven of the season. Some, some hosts are slower than others. Uh, so be sure to follow us here on Twitter on Eye on the Hawks. Iowa's News Now on YouTube and Instagram as well. Again, we've got these Wednesday episodes here. Sunday recaps, a note on this week's uh, recap episode, though, coming up. And uh, again, wherever you listen to podcasts, Eye on the Hawks is streaming. Thanks to everybody who's been supporting and everything. And certainly, of course, on this YouTube side, this is where you get all the visual stuff. You get to see us and in our various degrees of Undress. Wardrobe. I wasn't going to say that, but you took that from the <laughs> Special uh, the note, same. though, for the, yeah. the Sunday reaction pod. This week it's going to be on Monday because of the crossover at Kinnick. I was going to point that out. Yeah, right. we, we want to get that crossover at Kinnick stuff in there, too. I was going to say various wardrobes, but you <laughs> you took it there. Uh, but, yeah, so we'll have a little bit different there. But, of course, on the YouTube side of things, we've always got highlights and stuff that we've shot at Kinnick or wherever we may be, Camp Randall this weekend. So if you want to get the full visual experience, uh, watch the podcast on YouTube. And then, of course, you got the audio side if you're on the go as well. We're going to get to everything Iowa-Wisconsin here shortly. But first, another big update in the Noah Shannon saga. Just uh, recent developments. So Noah has been cleared to practice. Noah Shannon's cleared to practice. Uh, I'm not sure what we'll learn or what when we'll learn uh, what his status moving forward is going to be. But... At least we got him on the field now. He's back on the roster and uh, able to be part of the team as a football player instead of uh, a guy just kind of helping out a little bit. So that's positive, and we'll keep our fingers crossed as we move forward. Noah Shannon is back on the roster and at practice. We've come a long way in two or three weeks to a point where we were just seeing Noah on the sidelines there, figured four or five games in the season, all hope is lost, and now we may be just couple of days, maybe a week or two away from, I think, what we're all kind of expecting at this point now, which is the NCAA is going to change their guideline reinstatements or reinstatement guidelines, and Noah Shannon's going to play football for the Hawkeyes in 2023. Yeah, hard to say when it is that he's going to come back on the field. I don't know if I, I mean, this is was maybe a conversation before the season that we kind of forgot about just with uh, everything that's around him with the gambling investigation, but there was some injury in the offseason that he was yeah. kind of dealing with, and so Kirk even said that he might have not have even played in those first three or four games, even if it hadn't been for the investigation. So uh, regardless, he's back and he's healthy now, so whenever... Iowa gets completely clear by the NCAA. Seems like he's going to be ready to go on that field whenever that time comes. Yeah, they said at the beginning when they initially released 
the plans to have a discussion about things, the, the memo before the memo before the memo. <laughs> uh, earlier this month, I think maybe it was just last week they did that, something like that, I don't know. Blur days are blurring together, but they were supposed to have kind of set in stone guidelines to vote on by the middle of this month, and then we're supposed to have a decision and vote at the end of the month. So he's back at practice already, you figure. Not playing this week, obviously. They're still making a decision. Maybe they rush things and make a decision for next week, and he's ready by Minnesota. He's cleared by the Minnesota game. Otherwise, I would think the more likely scenario is that he practices all next week, doesn't play. They get in their bye week, yep. gets all that practice, and he's ready to go making a season debut on the road at, at Wrigley, Wrigley Field. Field against Northwestern, which is probably the best-case scenario, coming back off an injury, just getting his football cardiovascular endurance and, and stamina up, mm -hmm. get two and a half, three weeks of practice under your belt before you make your debut in some capacity. It's Listen, this has been far from perfect, and it's been kind of messy. I'd say a lot messy, uh, considering what it's had to cost Noah Shannon in terms of his season, but things are getting figured out, and now that they've got this somewhat of a reintroduction plan, mm -hmm. at least seemingly laid out, it seems like his best-case scenario as you could ask for, considering the scenario we're in. Yeah, and the great news for Noah is that even if it is the Northwestern game, you've got four regular season games, um, possible Big Ten championship game, possible, I'd say likely, bowl game that he could be playing in. That's four, five, maybe six games yeah. that he can have some tape to show NFL sure. teams for the future. I mean, at this point, you know, Iowa's defense, we've seen, you know, is pr still pretty good this year. They can certainly use the help of Noah Shannon, but maybe the biggest thing for him is still seeing him in a Hawkeye uniform, but also thinking about his future, what he's yeah. going to do at the next level, getting a chance to get back on the field and show that he still does have it and he can play at the next level. Reps and opportunity, it's all you can ask for uh, in this situation. So certainly we're all waiting to see and, and waiting to see what we expect is going to happen now with Noah Shannon, but back at practice, back on the roster. Both uh, great moves to see for him. We move now to the task at hand and Iowa-Wisconsin this week. Of course, a homecoming, kind of, maybe, for Deacon Hill, a guy who started his college career in Madison as QB three or four, depending on the scenario. But he goes back to a place that he started everything at. Now uh, a little familiarity and, and talked about on Tuesday talking with the media just about his exit there and his feelings returning to Madison and Camp Randall Stadium nothing to do with the program. I love that program to death and it was a big part of my life for a long time. Um, it just felt like, you know, I was kind of outgrowing the place, you know, both in life and just in football. And so I felt that, you know, I just needed a fresh start somewhere else. Um, so yeah, that was it. There's no animosity towards Wisconsin football at all. Um, I love those guys. I love that town. I love that program. So. Is there some comfort going back there on Saturday? I think somewhat. Obviously, you're going into enemy territory, but I think it's a little bit, you know, just seeing some familiar faces, some familiar sights. I, I asked him if there was any sort of comfort going back to a place, even in enemy, enemy territory, as he, as he phrased it. Uh, said, so, yeah, just the familiarity of going to a place you kind of know, but also maybe on the other side, he didn't say this, I'm saying it now, of just, oh, they know you've been here, and now a little extra incentive for the, the Camp Randall crowd to maybe get a little more rowdy than they're already known to be, because uh, now it's, I'm sure they can throw on the, the traitor moniker or something like that and, and make it, you know, fans aren't always the most logical folks and don't, <laughs> you know, find, find those edges like, uh, Hard to believe. like everybody can, but. Going to be certainly an interesting situation. 
especially Deacon coming off the, the game he did where he wins, makes some big throws down the stretch, but uh, you're looking for full four full quarters of performance. I really do wonder how much the fa- I mean, the fans are certainly going to let him have it uh, as much as they would any opposing quarterback. I don't know if they'll you know label him a trade or anything like that just because, again, he's a third, fourth-stream quarterback that most fans didn't even know was on the lo- roster as of last oh, year. People, so. people know. I was kind of surprised on Saturday that um, Tyrone Tracy got a ton of booze when he first touched oh, really? the ball. Yeah. That kind of surprised me a little bit because, you know, I saw the writing on the wall, writing on the wall that he was kind of going to get pushed back on the depth chart. So I understood why he left. But no, I mean, I heard, I don't know if you heard the booze, Owen, but I certainly did on his first carry at least. Uh, that does not stick out to my memory, but I'll, I'll trust you on that because uh, you were there as well. So um, I, I don't think I quite heard that, but I, it does not surprise me or I'll believe it. On that same vein, A, um, <clears throat> I was going to talk about this later, but Peacock, first Iowa game on Peacock. I was very surprised Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett did not, at least from what I watched, and I know Tyrone got hurt later and then finished the game, but zero mention of him being a former Iowa player. Really? Which, like, he was a quintessential part of that that passing offense in 2019. Um, Obviously, he's embedded himself pretty well in Purdue and is having a nice year for the Boilermakers. Hope he's all right to play going ahead. But I was yeah. very surprised. Just like he, first carry, like no mention of it. And it's true. I remember uh, not hearing anything. Peacock broadcast was great though. That, that's what I wanted to yeah. say is that it was a fantastic product. Jason so, Garrett was on the call. Jason Garrett was the Cowboys color. royalty. Jason Garrett was on the call. Are you kidding me? Um, no, that's interesting. Actually, Curtis Fader, like his dad knew Jason Garrett's dad or something like oh, no that. Kidding. Like they went to high school together or something cool. like that. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, that's why here, I mean, obviously it seems like there's some controversy around like how many, you know, more uh, games are going to be on Peacock, just like if fans like it or dislike having it on there. But um, uh, I don't know. I think that the fact that Tyrone Tracy didn't get a ton of, I mean, I, don't, I forget what his final stat line was, but it seems like he was not super involved in the offense. He left with early with, an, so with injury, yeah. Just didn't, oh, did he? Okay, yeah. I just didn't see a lot of him, so maybe there would have been more mention if, if he'd been more involved in the offense with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown and through adaptable problem solving we do just that Learn more at marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Let's get to the Iowa injury report. We have, we've kind of touched on this in a, in a less organized way throughout the shows, but we wanted to get to this. So here is how Iowa is looking. Mike always does great jobs with these graphics. Look Thanks. at that, getting headshots in there. And everything. We were talking about that's one, that spot where the pictures are in. I'm going super inside baseball here. One of those spots where you can kind of put, I think just like logos usually. Like that's mm-hmm. where you yeah. maybe put like Iowa logos or 
something like that. And he th threw the headshots in because he's a creative, awesome <laughs> dude. So Jazzy and Patterson going to miss another game here. I believe that's going to be his, what, third or fourth in a row now. Went out against Western Michigan, right? Yeah, he played oh, a little bit against yeah. Western, and then he was out for the rest. Yeah, so, so he hasn't played a Big Ten game yet. He's out. Maybe the expectation has always been that he'll be back at some point. I wonder if he does come back from Minnesota or if they just keep him out and, yep. and bring him back for for Northwestern uh, because Kamari Moulton and TJ Washington have both played three games as true freshmen, so they've got one more to use. Maybe that's a discussion for another time. Deshaun Lee, this is maybe the, the most discouraging news we got on the injury front this week. Uh, Kirk didn't use this terminology of out for the season, but basically said starting to think we're not going to get him back, mm. which is tough because he was one of the best stories coming out of weeks one and two, uh, yeah. particularly week mm -hmm. one, uh, just how well he played against Utah State. Yeah, backed up Jamari Harrison, did an incredible job yeah. those first couple games without Jamari there. I mean, Deshaun Lee was like, he was crucial to their win against Utah State in week one. I mean, he was so good. And there was even some talk like last week when everyone was joking about Cooper, not joking, but just, you know, I don't think any of us really realistically thought Cooper would play meaningful snaps on offense, but hey, Deshaun Lee played pretty well. Why can't you spell him for a few defensive plays? But Cooper's yeah. on another level, you know. But Deshaun had a podium game. He was at the podium yeah. after Utah State. It was uh, super cool to talk to him. Nick DeYoung sounds like he'll be a game time decision along with Addison Estrenga. Of course, DeYoung been established by Kirk as the most uh, versatile of the offensive linemen in terms of where he can play. Again, went down with a an injury against Michigan State that man, I did not think looked good at all. So the fact that he's still, I missed last week against Purdue, but the fact that he's in there and in the discussion is great news. Addison Estranga, uh, we're not totally sure what's up with him, but it'd be mm. great to get that tight end depth, of course. Yeah, S something maybe conspiracy theory-ish that we could bring up. Uh, Mike and I noticed this on Saturday when we were looking through the reports of, you know, who was going to be out for that game on sure. Saturday was, um, you know, list all the guys that aren't going to play. Uh, Cade McNamara listed as, you know, in, kind of in parentheses, like out for the season. Um but Luke Lachey listed on there as just out regular. I, I can't remember <laughs> if we've talked about this on here or not. The, not on here. I know we had a discussion. The, what I've been told since essentially surgery day for Luke Lachey is that the, without getting, without violating HIPAA stuff, <laughs> I have been told by people that would know or have been talking to people that would know that the injury designation and description that people have been using for Luke Lachey's injury is incorrect. Hmm. And how, that, how have we been using it, or how have we been saying it? I th we've just described it as a lower body. I think we've avoided specifics. Lower legs, yeah, yeah. Um, I have been told from the get-go that there would be an outside shot that he could be ready for a bowl game. I don't know, and that's, again, a discussion from a month ago. Um, and, now, and since then, I've now seen more finality-ish, that's not a word, um, more, more dialogue describing the injury as something that would end the season. Sure. But that's a, that's a good observation. Yeah, on the, I've on heard the list, the, it says, I've heard from the start that maybe it may be a long shot, but that there's a, a potential door open for an end-of-year thing. So are I you, don't know that. Sorry, just to confirm, are you saying that you're hearing more that he – it's looking more likely that he'd play in a bowl game or less likely they'd play in a bowl game? I have just heard what I'm comfortable saying is that the description of his injury by the media members describing the injury definitively um, may not be correct and that there's maybe an opportunity. The, the, him not being listed definitively in that report is out for the season. Um, is That may be accurate. 
Here's what Owen was talking about. This Hawkeye football notes. They, oh, they wow. post the. You brought it up. They post out the injury report two hours two hours before kickoff, and yep. you can see Cade McNamara out for the season, and then Luke Lachey's down there, and it doesn't have for the season. So we're kind of like, oh, that's kind of interesting, you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe there is a shot. Maybe they're just still kind of bullish. I can't wait for the day that Jacob Bostic is healthy. He's been banged up, I think, since his days at, at Palatine in, in high school. If he's healthy, man, he's going to be a heck of a wide receiver. So I really hope he's. Healing up. Tough to see Ontario Thompson on that list as well. Um, Lock punt in that uh, yeah Western game. Yep. Um, yeah, there but, was one um, one update that kind of I think Joe Evans touched on it post game that Chris Reams ninety eight has been out all year um, with a suspension. He either said he's coming back this week or next week. I can't remember exactly which. One. I believe he was in a similar boat to uh, to Noah mm-hmm. from what from what was out there. Again, we're talking about a bunch of stuff we haven't talked about that we've talked off camera, and I'm trying to respect the process and privacy and and all that stuff. But that's that's where we are on a conspiracy corner on Eye on the Hawks. Thanks <laughs> for joining us here. Let's get into our analysis of Wisconsin's offense. We'll skip the soundbite. Here's Wisconsin's offense at a glance. All this preseason hype about the air raids coming in. Luke Fickle's going to change some stuff up. Phil Longo's got his special offense in there. And then you look, oh, Wisconsin's still leading the Big Ten in rushing <laughs> yards. Um, almost 200 and four yards a game. Tanner Mordecai, the SMU quarterback, this was the guy that was going to lead the air raid. Wisconsin's going to be going four wide, throwing it all over. 1,000 yards passing, three touchdowns, three interceptions, four rushing touchdowns. I believe he's run for about 150 yards on the ground, and the scramble is really what's working for him in this, in this offense as well. Braylon Allen, still there, still a stud. 427 rush yards, six and a half yards a carry, seven touchdowns. He's fourth in the, or fifth in the league in rushing yards. Uh, Chaz Narusi, I believe his name was. Um, shame on Ch- me. Chez Malusi. Chez Malusi, boy. Just, you know. <laughs> you were uh, just a few consonants away. I'm still hung up on the fact that I couldn't send off a sound bite that's one of the first things on this. Uh, Chez is out for the year. Um, Ched Malusi, Chez Malusi was hurt against uh, Purdue, was having a really nice year. He is still technically 10th in the league in, uh, in rushing, despite missing the last couple of games. So. Wishing all the best for him in recovery, but that's Wisconsin still running the football really, really well. Iowa and their defense know what they're in for. Not totally different. I'd say they're they're, they're still pretty big and, and physical up front. Um, they'll still get into those heavy formations and, and run the ball, you know, downhill. Um, but they, they also spread it out more than they have in, in the past. I think um, so. It's kind of it's kind of a, a mixture of both. Um, I'd say it's. It's, it's a little bit different than, than what they have been, um, but there's still some of those same things. You've gone against a few mobile quarterbacks now this season. Yeah. What's, what's Mordecai? Yeah, <laughs> I know you're tired of it. What's uh, Mordecai bring to the table? Um, I mean, a lot like the Purdue quarterback. Just, yeah. I mean, guys who are able to leave the pocket. Um, we know that they, they want to get uh, the quarterback out in space, so making sure that we just control the line of scrimmage and you know leverage the football like Coach uh, Parker always says. So uh, we, we have a game plan for him, and um, he, I mean, on tape, he's done a great job just being a competitor. You can tell he's a competitor and um, definitely a team leader for them. 247 <laughs> pass yards allowed per game by the Badgers secondary that is tied for last in the Big Ten with Nebraska, I believe, off the top of my head. But... 
They've also faced more pass attempts per game than any other team in the league, which maybe is why they are tied for the Big Ten lead with eight interceptions. Ricardo Hallman has four of those. Hunter Wohler at safety, 50 tackles, leading tackler for the Badgers. He's got two picks, three PBUs, uh, three for Ricardo as well. So now let's get into our analysis of Wisconsin. An Iowa passing offense that has struggled. I can't believe nobody's talked about this at all. and made no <laughs> wild, wild associations about wide receivers and whatnot. Is this maybe an opportunity for Deacon Hill, assuming he's a little more accurate? Because it wasn't like passes weren't being batted away against Purdue. He was just working on that touch. Is this an opportunity? You look at those numbers of maybe, maybe not the interception numbers, the, the fact that they're giving up almost 250 through the air and that, boy, if Deacon's on and is shaking off the, uh, the jitters, that maybe he's in for an opportunity going back to his home stadium. Not going to lie, this battle is intrigues me the most and maybe that's because you know i'm a little it's bit of sicko at, at heart one of the worst you know power five passing attacks in all of college football and then you know we've got the big ten's worst passing defense and maybe it's a get right game for iowa who knows i mean like you said i deacon i was re-watching some of his throws that he missed and i wonder if some of them were, were overthrows on purpose because he was in double coverage, didn't have, you know, saw a lineman coming, wanted to get the ball out, you know. He never really put it in, uh, there was, I think we talked about maybe two yeah. instances where he put it in danger, but again, the pick, the pick was, was off not, Seth's yeah. hands. Should have been a catch. Had that one down by the line, uh, or down by the goal line where went off a defender's hand. But other than that, like, these were, you, you chalk them up as throwaways. Now, do you want 10 throwaways in a game? Ideally not, but uh, Better the than a sack. ball wasn't in danger. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, But yeah, the, the completion percentage and the accuracy on, on some of the throws needs to improve from Deacon, and maybe this is just what the doctor ordered against this last in the Big Ten passing defense. Which, yeah, it's shocking to say that we're saying that a Wisconsin defense has holes in it. I mean, this is not a Wisconsin team that we're used to talking about that with. Um, there, There's also some, I think, promise if your eye was defense when you look at Wisconsin offense because as much as they have a lot of talent there they are not exactly deep on the offensive side of the ball looking at the running game uh Braylon Allen obviously great um he's going to become the what did I see I think the 14th Wisconsin running back to reach a 3,000 career rushing yards more than any other Big Ten school in terms of 3,000 rushing yard backs um but after him I mean Braylon Allen 472 yards this year Ches Mazzulli he's out now Tanner Mordecai has 153 yeah. yards on the ground, and then they have just one other guy who's carried the ball. So essentially, they have three guys who have registered uh, rushing stats, whereas Iowa has now three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven. I mean, in terms of depth, they've got a way deeper backfield, um, and even receivers. I mean, they've got three receiving touchdowns this entire season. Like again, this is not the the air raid team that we thought we were going to see this season. I imagine they're really going to hammer it on the ground against Iowa because of what the Hawkeyes bring to the table in the in the secondary, but um, you know maybe not as uh, deep of a team as we're used to seeing. They remind me at least the the Mordecai Allen duo a lot of Noah Kim and Nate Carter with Michigan State because uh, again Noah Kim's a guy who moved around and unlike Hudson Card who kind of had that was not going to cross the line of scrimmage. He he wanted to make those plays in the pass game, whereas Noah Kim we saw would would tuck and run and and had a decent amount of success with it. Nate Carter ran for over 100 against the Hawks as well. I'm very intrigued, though, by Braylon Allen when you compare him to Nate Carter. So Nate Carter, through five games, has 93 carries, 477 yards, 
four touchdowns. You saw Braylon's numbers. Those are on 73 carries. He has five fewer yards, but he's averaging six and a half yards a carry. So this is kind of a supercharged Nate Carter. Um, Nate Carter, to me, for my money, is, is one of the best backs in the Big Ten just by he was numbers. Good, and, and you, boy, you just look at him. I mean, yeah. he's, he looks he, the part. He's your, he's your Michigan State bruiser. Um, it is going to be very interesting to see what Iowa's passing attack can do against what appears to be a susceptible but also uh, opportunistic Badger passing defense. But we'll also see what the running game does. You know, with Caleb Johnson showed on carry number two that he's back, and when it's well blocked, he can he can be that home run threat. So it's going to be uh, boy, and then you factor in the weather. <laughs> I think that could that could be changing everything. Uh, One of the big concerning things for me, and you were talking about Mordecai and he can how he can run and, and something Purdue didn't do even though Hudson Card can get out there and run is you, you've seen Iowa kind of struggle with those running plays from the QB For a decade now yeah I mean this year too especially yeah. like the every every team that's that's ran like an, a QB option it's taken like three or four times for them to figure something out um, but if they do some more of those designed QB runs I don't know if it, that would trouble our defense even though you know you got to love our rush defense and but you know that's just the one thing one main thing when we're on defense that I'm looking at it's there's so many interesting little like X and O storylines. Obviously, Deacon going back. It's just it's another intriguing chapter in the in the Iowa Wisconsin rivalry. Why wouldn't you want any more of that? So we'll we'll see how it goes, and we'll get into our picks here in a little bit. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. Before we get into our picks, we got to talk about Jay Higgins, but because history for a guy who has just been fantastic all year, his first career collegiate interception on Saturday against Purdue Talked to him about this on Tuesday. Uh, his only other experience in the intercepting realm was five years ago in high school. Here's Jay reliving the glory days. <laughs> your bio on the website said you had a pick six your junior year of high school, and that's the only interception it points yeah. out. Was that your only interception in high school? Yeah, I mean, they, they tried to stay away from me. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, somebody tipped it. I think it was a Joe Strickland plays DN for Purdue. I think he tipped it, and I, I took it back after a tip. So I, I didn't even throw it my way. I kind of just <laughs> went to go get it. How far was it? Uh, that far? Wow. You can tell. I can, you can tell I peaked in high school because I remember the place. I mean, it was what like 2018. Yeah, something like that? yeah. It was like I, we were on the on a 30 yard line, or something like that. They're 30. There you go. It was it was nice. <laughs> So congrats to Jay on Glory days. looking for a moment five <laughs> years in the make. I couldn't believe that. I mean, again, uh, linebacker in high school, linebacker tight end. But I'm like, man, guys all over the field. He couldn't have run into a couple more interceptions. But such a such a cool thing there. And for him to get it against a Purdue team that I, I believe he said didn't recruit him or didn't offer him yeah, at least. Like that's you, wild. you knew well, he, yeah. he had that one circled for a while. Yeah, and uh, just I, as you brought hit 
As you brought Jay Higgins' name up and he talked about uh, peaking in high school, uh, <laughs> just looking at some of his stats this year, he's moved up even on the chart in terms of total tackles, nationwide leaders, 74 tackles, 12.33 tackles per game, uh, still leads power five players. Uh, he's third overall in the nation, uh, only a couple of behind a kid from UTEP, but the national leader, Jason Henderson from Old Dominion, 92 tackles, 15 tackles wow. a game. That's that's a hell of a stat line. Good, good numbers um, if you can get them. But Jay, Jay Higgins still, I mean, his tackling numbers are just bananas. And, I mean, yeah, still got half a season. It left. seems like every play we're out there where, you know, I'm, I got a still camera or whatever camera we're, we're shooting the game. It's just like, oh, there's another Jay Higgins tackle. Oh, there's another. Or Nick Jackson, you know. Yeah, and, and boy, you, you heard him when I brought up the fact that they played a lot of mobile quarterbacks and he's made those tackles. He's going to have to go up against at least one more this week. You heard the, the sigh and the laugh from him, but uh, that's just how – that's how the game goes. They're moving around, and, and Jay Higgins has done a heck of a job being able to do that. So let's get into our picks here. We've expanded a little bit to basically include the whole Big Ten this week since we're getting to a lot of buys. So we just need volume here. We need me to be able to get to 20 losses quicker. So that's <laughs> what we're going to do. We're going to get through this. We'll start with the first game or one of the three 11 o'clock kicks on Saturday going in uh, to what is, what, week seven now in the Big Ten? Yep, or week seven. Or week seven, week eight as we get into the buys and all that. Yep. We start with Indiana at Michigan, the number two Wolverines coming off that big win at Minnesota. They are 33-and-a-half-point favorites. Wild spread that's, for a Big uh, Ten that's game. That's our first game, first game on uh, on Fox, 11 a.m. <laughs> in Ann Arbor. 33-and-a-half. Uh, dang, that's a heck of a big number, 33-and-a-half. Um, I... Gosh, after what Michigan did to Minnesota, though, I suppose it shouldn't be surprising to us. I mean, they they really whooped up on Minnesota for a, a long pick time. Couple pick sixes for that Wolverine secondary. Ooh, Indiana is uh, two and three, I think. Is that right? Um, yeah, Probably should be one and four. They almost lost to Akron. Yeah, why? Do, uh, I'll, I'll pick. Uh, I'll pick the favorites. I'll pick Michigan to to have another big spread in this one. Yeah, I'm going to go Michigan too. I just think they're playing like one of the best teams in the country right now, and I don't have a lot of faith in Indiana. So Michigan just looks better and better every mm-hmm. week. I mean, they they uh, Joel Klatt describes them in his podcast, and PJ Fleck quoted it in his his post game. They're a boa constrictor. <laughs> they just they're going to do what they do, and there's nothing you can do about it. At the end of the day, you're just going to suffer. De- definitely far off on our. I mean, I feel like on our preseason predictions, we were like, uh, Michigan maybe, yeah. maybe taking a step back this year. I think a maybe bit. I had them second. I just Ohio yeah. State and still, and Ohio State again, really impressive uh, in the second half against Maryland. But boy, yeah, Mi- Michigan that, still Michiganing that November 25th game, Ohio State Michigan. Holy smokes! It's going to be boy, just the latest. Uh, Latest chapter in that. Speaking of the Buckeyes, they are on the road this week. Nineteen and a half point. You take Michigan. At, oh yeah, I got to check. Oh, okay. Michigan, Michigan cover. All Michigan right. cover. <laughs> Call them a bow instructor and, <laughs> yeah. say, but, and yeah. the Hoosiers to cover. Uh, Ohio State, nineteen and a half point favorites at Purdue. Of course, Purdue coming off the loss at Iowa. Ohio State again, uh, a comeback win over Maryland. Uh, it probably as impressive of a win as maybe Ohio State's had all year. That's an eleven p.m. kick on Peacock. It's funny you mentioned Ohio State, and I agree with you that they impressive second half against Maryland. Which I was is wild saying the Notre Dame game. Yeah. That's not the but the, uh, it is. when I was doing research for these picks, I was just going across some different um, web stories, and I saw one from a you know blog from Ohio State who was claiming Ryan Day should be on the hot seat because of that win. And I'm just <laughs> like, I <laughs> the perspective of being an Ohio State fan. I, with that being said, I do think Ohio State actually covers this week. Um, I just I'm, I don't really think Purdue's that great. Yeah. So I'm just going to go with that. Uh, I am actually going to take uh, Purdue to keep it a little bit closer. Um, you know, I could see it maybe being like a 15 point uh, 
final march or something like that. You know, again, Ohio State just, we say it all the time, but like potential game where they're like, ah, maybe overlooking Purdue a little bit, so I'll keep them, keep them close. It's not full-on Kinnick magic at, at uh, in West Lafayette, but it just, yeah, Purdue at home is always an interesting take. They don't, we'll see if Tyrone's back, but mm. Hudson Card, uh, A, we talked about this Sunday, just tough. I mean, that dude was banged up, mm-hmm. getting banged around and, and finished the game in Iowa City. Would love to see him tuck and run a little more. I felt like he maybe tried to play hero ball in the in the yeah. behind the line of scrimmage a little too much. I still th- I think Ohio State's found something really good. I think McCord settled on his own. So, despite all of what I just said, I think I'm going to take Ohio State <laughs> to cover uh, just because they're Ohio State's starting to look like Ohio State again, and that's that's bad news for the East as, as they get in October and November. Final 11 a.m. game. This is on BTN. Michigan State hits the road to Piscataway. Rutgers, a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Sparty at home. This is an interesting game. Uh, I was just reading that Michigan State might make a quarterback change. They might go away from Kim. Yeah. So Harlan Barnett, their coach, said he was keeping it close to the vest. He he says the players know, he knows, but he he wants to do a little Bill Belichick. And they might go to their backup, who I'm blanking on his name because he hasn't played much. Um. I think and this I is like a, Noah Kim. That's yeah, he's, he's throwing a lot of picks though this year. And after the bye week, you know, he threw three against Iowa. Is that right? Yeah, threw a lot against I think three or four against Maryland. Um, I think Rutgers. This is a get get back game for them. They played a couple of tough games and um, don't look to be too bad this this season. Yeah. So I'll go with Rutgers to cover. Uh, they're uh, Michigan State's coming off a bye week, so they you'd imagine are well rested. But Rutgers, boy, they keep kept it close with Wisconsin. Even um, you know, kept it. With- it almost should have been closer. They. Threw a pick six like in the last possession of the first half, and it was ten to zero, and they were on the five mm-hmm. yard line. They could have scored and made it a one score game, and then it was seventeen zero, and yeah, scored late. But yeah. nobody walks into Piscataway. <laughs> um, I'll take Rutgers. Yeah, I'm gonna do this again. Like I like this Michigan State team too, but Rutgers from the that first game against Northwestern, they just have a system this year, and Gavin Wimsat's been really nice. I mean, when Rutgers comes to town in a couple weeks for Iowa they're uh they're gonna be an interesting matchup for sure but yeah I'll, I'll take Rutgers at home over Michigan State again I yeah five and a half I'll 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 do it watch watch Sparty switch stuff up and make <laughs> Cardell have a game of his life and do that now there's something completely different UMass on the road at Penn State the sixth ranked Nittany Lions are 42 and a half point favorites over the Minutemen 230 kickoff on BTN I believe you remember my feelings about Northern Illinois. Um, we yeah. might need to recycle that for UMass. Calb remembers your uh, thoughts on Northern <laughs> Illinois, yeah. Uh, this is a team that is, uh, I, I don't know if y'all are big Ryan McGee fans who writes about the bottom 10 every week in college football, um, worst teams in the country. UMass for the last about 15 years has been a perennial bottom 10 team in the country. Yeah. Just absolutely one of the worst programs in America football-wise. They're actually coming to Kinnick Stadium in 2025, I believe. Something like that. Um, yeah. uh, like a November 15th, like mid-November non-conference game. Mike's already filling out the spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, if, if that's not where you're going, let me know. <laughs> this preamble is uh, pretty telling. Uh, let's see. Some of their recent games, they've got, to Toledo, they gave up 41. To Arkansas State, they gave up 52. To Miami of Ohio, 41. Uh, Auburn, I mean, yes, but 59 points they gave Auburn's up. the only one that's covered that spread. Yeah, uh, but, like, d- dang, UMass just stinks they, to high heaven as a football program. Let's let's uh, send it to Penn State. You know, I was going to pick UMass only for this reason. I don't know much about them, and that changed my mind because I was like, <laughs> I'm not even going to look this up. Penn State plays Ohio State next week, and that, you know, clear look-ahead game, I figure, like, what, why do they need a risk injury? Maybe they'll win, you know, 35 
to 10 or sure. 45 to seven. They let, you know, the, the third stringers are playing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that was where I was going to go. Mm-hmm. But if they're that bad and I trust you, Owen, then I'll just, I'll just take the, the high spread. Boy, I'm going to get you in trouble here. I'm going to assume it's a 42 nothing final and I'll take UMass to cover. Oh, oh. <laughs> if that happens, I, I mean, you got to make that I bet. give a little respect to uh, Back in the men. what they're doing there. Oh, Lord. Capital M in mass. Sorry, I'm a stickler for that. Um, I'm a s- <laughs> Illinois goes to Maryland. 13.5-point favorites are the Chirps. 2.30 on NBC. Illinois, talk about a team that struggles with turnovers. Luke Altmaier, I believe, leads the nation in interceptions. Wow, really? Um, Maryland looking to bounce back from a game, boy, they had in hand Mm -hmm. in the horseshoe. First loss of the season. They weren't ranked somehow at 5-0, obviously not ranked now, but uh, can they beat Illinois by two touchdowns? This is these are always the toughest ones because I'm like I feel like Maryland's definitely going to win, um, but I don't know. I, I how many wor- get right game, games can there be for underdogs? <laughs> I I worry that like that Ohio State game. You know, sometimes you see these programs that like really play well, surprise a lot of people, and then they take one loss, and it's just kind of a downhill yeah. slide where they just lose all that momentum. And I could almost see that happening to Maryland, but um, I'll keep a little bit of faith in Tongo Vailoa, and um, I. Th- I'll say Maryland covers this one. I feel like we, you know, Illinois just, we're always so picky about what they're going to do to us, but let's take Maryland for me this week. Yeah, I, whoops, minus 13, duh. So I agree with what you said, and I can't pick Illinois again. Um, I really like this Maryland team. They played really well at the shoe, and I just, you know, this Illinois team was was shocking to me that they're as bad as they are, Uh and I don't see them getting better, so... I had to look over and see if Kaysen was here yeah. to get his analysis on this. As a Western Illinois grad who is toiling as an Illini supporter in 2023, I'm going to take Maryland to cover. I think, to Owen's point, I'd be worried if Tagovailoa wasn't a senior or an upperclassman and has had much experience that maybe that could get him a little sideways. But I think they lock back in and, and continue to march towards, the again, the, the back half of their schedule where they host both Michigan and Penn State. I think they know they need to get right if they want a shot at, at having a factor and, and a say in the outcome in the East. So I think Maryland uh, does get right. It is a get-right game. And finally, turning back to Fox at 3 p.m., Iowa visits Wisconsin in the latest rendition of the battle for the Heartland Trophy. The Hawkeyes are 9.5-point underdogs. I believe this opened up 7.5 on I saw six. Was it six on, six, on yeah, Sunday? on um, Sunday, and then it moved. It's moved in the direction of the Badgers. What do we think? And maybe let's have some fun. Uh, one key to the game that's not weather-related. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> that's going to be a factor. Yeah. I uh, Going back to our preseason predictions, game by game that we did a breakdown, have, have, are we all perfect so far? I feel like we had almost identical picks for the first six games. I don't think anybody's missed it. You guys had Iowa State winning the Cyhawk. I, I don't think I, I did. One of you, somebody did. Okay. I I'd believe, have to look I believe you guys had them four and two and had them both finishing nine and three. I, th- I think I picked them for three losses. Penn State, Wisconsin, and Minnesota were the three okay. that I picked. I believe. I, d- I thought I had them losing to Illinois and maybe Wisconsin. Really? Okay. Anywho. But yeah, um, it could have been Iowa State too. That's all to say that, you know, we've been, you know, Iowa has kind of had the season that we've expected them to have so far. I feel like when we look back to as they're halfway through the year, 
Uh, I would say that their offense has definitely underperformed even compared to what we were hoping for this season. Um, defense has been about what we thought they'd be. Um, and I don't think that that is going to change this week. I think that um, Wisconsin is a better team. I think that Wisconsin does win this game, but I could see Iowa keeping it within nine and a half points. Uh, your, your next question, though, as far as a key to the game, um, I think it's going to be Iowa's rushing game um, to see if Caleb Johnson can – uh, carry that over, that big momentum from a, a huge game that he had last week, if that was an anomaly or if that's something that he's going to provide to that Iowa offense every week um, to see if he can put that put up those numbers again against uh, Wisconsin. I think the key to this game, and I mean, we've been talking about it, everyone's been talking about it nonstop, is the passing game. It's one of the worst in the country, and the amount of targets and catches the receivers can get, and to your point, Owen, if we – if Iowa wants to run the ball, I think they need to establish really that they're gonna they're gonna challenge this really bad Big Ten pass defense. Mm-hmm. And if they can get some uh, balls into Deontay Vine's hands, into Seth Anderson's hands, and Nico Regini's hands, um, and obviously Eric Hall is gonna get his because that's just the way this offense works through the tight end. But I'd really like to see them test that secondary, and hopefully, you know, Iowa will come out swing in in the passing game and then I think that would open up Keegan in this rush defense which isn't that bad so if we just if Iowa just goes in and, and runs straight at Wisconsin I don't think it's going to turn out very well um, so that's what I would say the key to that the game the, is. At the end of the day I think that Iowa just matches up really well against Wisconsin based on you know strengths and weaknesses on both rosters I think that um, that's at least going to play in Iowa's favors that they do match up good against against what Wisconsin has to offer. I think not so much the specific passing game, but just Deacon Hill. Regardless if he's hitting wide receivers or tight ends or running backs, I think if he just starts getting those passes on target, um, again, wasn't putting the ball in danger. was just whether he was kind of throwing them away in play or whatever he was. Um, man, I get the feeling he hits a deep ball of some kind. I mean, just he kind of saw it a little bit uh, with the long passes to Eric All in the second half against Purdue. I feel like whether it's the comfort of being back in a place he knows or just the comfort of another week with the ones and getting that timing and touchdown, I feel like maybe he doesn't have a huge game, but I also don't think he goes Nate Stanley 2017 where he's mm-hmm. 8 of 24 for 41 yards and a pick. <laughs> um, yeah, that's burned into my head. That was coming off the Ohio <laughs> State game. They, they had been you know, numbers. hang 55 on, uh, on Ohio State the week before that. I'm going to take Iowa to cover. I think they can win outright because my key to this, not just because it's a joke that people love to talk about, but because of the weather and because of the style that these teams play, it's going to come down to field position and punting. Hmm. And I think that it, in, a, in a wet, cold quintessential mid-October game in Madison, boy, you, you could just see a, a fumble or a, a, a misstep near the goal line or something like that could change this whole thing on its head. I'm not going to go ahead and pick 10-6 or 13-10. That <laughs> would be too perfect, but you might have another yeah, one. The or, other two, huh? Yeah, where, where Iowa, Iowa only scores 20 or 21 again, and that's good enough to get out of there. I think 20, was 24-10 the final last year? Maybe 21 yeah. 10, 24 10, 24, again. Yes, they had wouldn't, 24. I know that. Wouldn't be shocked to see that again. That seems like a huge win um, in terms of, of separation of points, but could be one of those. So, I, yeah, well, this could be the quintessential Tory Taylor game, as if he hasn't had enough of those <laughs> already. But just going to be one of those where the conditions are going to dictate 
uh-huh. field position and detail are going to be everything. That does make me pause on my pick. I, I'm going to take Wisconsin to cover. <laughs> um, yeah. I just don't have faith that we'll be able to score many points unless there's a blocked punt, a fumbled, you know, punt return, something like You're that. You're familiar with the Iowa Hawkeyes. I, I'm familiar, but you, you can't like... Every Can game you? it can't be like that. Can you? <laughs> I guess maybe. Like, have you not watched this team the last three years? When we do go up to when I would they won the West to they won Wisconsin 10 games. and uh, and loses, they usually don't have those. You know, even yeah. a couple I mean, years ago, saw it, saw it at Penn State. They got saw blown out when Desmond King had two pick. Two, did he have two pick sixes? Yeah, I know he had Jackson one. Had two pick sixes. Okay, I'm thinking of that that game. But that was that game. They had I believe it was 66 plays yeah. and 66 yards. <laughs> But wide receivers cause four passes. I just get nervous so people, going up to, to Madison. It's, you know, yeah, it's, it's one of those, especially. It'll be a weird game. Yeah. It, but it should be on I, sickles, I think watch that's, alert. that's what I'm looking for. It's mm-hmm. going to be a weird game. Let's get weird. Yeah, it's good. You don't have to tell the Hawkeyes and Badgers to get weird. They, uh, <laughs> they do that. Uh, once again, you're watching this on YouTube. If you are, thank you so much. Uh, we'll get more videos, and I'll make sure to send the proper sound bites off next time. Uh, do my due diligence there. Uh, otherwise, on the podcast side, obviously keep searching wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll be able to find all this content. The Iowa's News Now YouTube channel is where you find the visual stuff. We mentioned this at the top of the show. We'll mention it again at the end. Our typical Sunday recap show will now be Monday at 1 p.m. rather than Sunday at noon because well, you got a busy weekend because once you're at, done at Madison, you come back and we get to see the crossover at Kinnick. And how cool is that going to is that going to be? Probably the most excited I am to be inside of Kinnick Stadium this year is for an exhibition women's basketball That's game. That's a on low Sunday. blow, man. That's a low <laughs> blow. It's going to be fun to these 18 to 22 year olds just out there trying to represent themselves in their university. Also, need to plug our one-on-one conversation coming up on Friday. It's Iowa Wisconsin, so who better to talk about the rivalry and the coverage of the rivalry? Than a Badger himself who spent a lot of time in Hawkeye land, Zach Hanley, award-winning KGAN sports director, who is now at WISC-TV in Madison, going to be joining us, sharing his thoughts of growing up in Badger country, his thoughts on was Iowa a rival when he was a kid, talking about his visual and uh, perspective of that, and then just breaking down his time covering the Badgers while in Iowa City and Eastern Iowa, and then gives us a little lowdown on uh what he thinks of the Badgers against the Hawkeyes in 2023, you might be surprised about what he says. So that'll be on Friday morning. That'll drop on the uh, all the aforementioned channels and platforms. So for now, we'll see you Monday. It's Mike, it's Owen, it's Mitch, and uh, we'll see you on the other side of the battle for the Heartland Trophy. <laughs>